Audrey, it is Wednesday night. We're on a Zoom call recording Tech Vibe Radio. I kind of like this. It's kind of fun. I feel like it's like crazy scenario time. And our job is to get the freaking stories out, man. And there's so many of them. There are. They're good stories. They're not good stories. They're great stories. They're sad stories. It's a time. It's a it's a time of fascinating, fascinating situations across across our. We remember this for a very 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 long time. That is for sure. Yeah, we're. I mean, I hope we're not. I hope we're not. I hope that we can stage this. I hope we can be safe. I hope we can um, manage some return. I mean, the amazing thing is, is just like the world is pivoted and pivoted on a dime. And that piece is just, it just tells you how resilient humans are. You know, now obviously there are some who who are not resilient, but um, for the most part, we're pretty resilient. Now, We've had a really cool time trying to keep up every day doing business as usual, which is a live Zoom that's interactive. And we've finished almost 20 some odd episodes of those. With Isn't that amazing? I mean, seriously, yeah. that's... <laughs> so people who are, and if, if any of you don't know what that is, just go to our website and then you'll be able to click on all the archives of business as usual. And and Jonathan has put together, you know, every single one of them, both both video and audio. So it's it's amazing. But the conversations that we've had have been just all real time, and our te- our intent is to just make sure that we're tethered together as a community, right. with um, knitted with the complexities of what has happened through this pandemic, and you know the the um, the bifurcation of the community is quite profound. People, knowledge workers, have been able to work from home, but even their jobs, for many of them um, that are not in research and development, et cetera, who are building companies, their jobs are tenuous as well. So I spend most of my day when I'm not hanging out with you, Jonathan, which seems like more often than not, um, I'm actually listening to you know CEOs and founders of their companies in tech and innovation as well as the, as the universities and listening to what they're wrestling with. What are they and wrestling with? Wrestling, I know. Well, you know, they don't want, people don't want to lay their teams off. They don't want to lose people. Of course They've not. Made rapid accommodation so that people can work from home. Um, and that's, that's been a fairly easy migration with the technology that's available today. Can you imagine if this happened in, in nine 11, or even if this happened in 2008 with Seriously? the housing crisis, yeah. I'm not sure we would have been as nimble enough to be able to turn on a dime and, and uh, everyone move to this virtual world. We were reliant on ample bandwidth right now. That was not available 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> so when, when, you take, when you take the schools closing <laughs> on top of that, the universities closing, and then re, you know requiring all this remote work, I mean, we yeah. really put tension on people like, I'm glad I have a grown child now. If I had a teenager home or a young child and trying to run the day, I don't know how I'd do that. You know how glad I am that I have zero children? (laughs) How about like, I I would be locking her outside. Yeah. Don't come in. Don't come in. (laughs) I mean, how do you? (laughs) It's more exercise with your face mask on. (laughs) No, but there are people and you know what? I like being on Zoom. I was on a Zoom call um, the other day 
with the Forbes fund and they had their, their mm -hmm. team on and there were two people who had, you know, young children. Yeah, absolutely. You hear them, you know, trying to tend to the young child and, you know, someone not being happy, someone being happy, etc. <laughs> and I, I like that. I sort of like having that authentic experience. How about like jackhammers? <laughs> being so highly productive, like talk about productivity, right? I feel like our productivity has just gone through the roof. Mine has skyrocketed. It's right. ridiculous. I, I just honestly can't believe how much I can get done in the course of a day because of my internet connection. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So here's the deal. We should have fired you a long time ago. I know. <laughs> Wish you would have. <laughs> Because your productivity is just like through the roof now. So the fascinating thing is that people are, um, they're concerned, they're scared, they're anxious to get back to work. They're afraid about how long this, this tale is, how long it's going to take. And what, what's, um, what we're experiencing now is a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator. Uh -huh. so Absolutely. When will we start to feel the shrinkage, the shrinkage of customers, the shrinkage of, of um, people adopting some of the use of some of the innovation. Then you have the cool side where you've got all this medical research of people trying to figure out how to cure, you know, or, ha or have it, you know, have a solution for this virus. And, you know, I'm cheering for that. I'm cheering for Pittsburgh coming out victorious. Absolutely. Even though I know every other every other university that's ha that's got NIH money is probably feverishly working on this, but I'm cheering for Pittsburgh. Pitt's gonna pull it off, man. I'm telling them. you right now, Pitt's gonna pull it off. We're gonna win. We're like it's the pack, not a shot. We're, that's what I like about it. We're the champions of everything. <laughs> that's that. Right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm feeling some hope. So it's probably the first time I've ever felt that wide array, that mm -hmm. just a wide array of emotions and, and people not being together. Yeah. You know, and, ha and what does this mean? Like if we have relationships on zoom that last for months and months and months, uh, what's it going to be like when I see you again? It's going to be weird, man. I'm going to be like, I only know you in two dimensions, not three. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to notice how much better my hair looks <laughs> because zoom likes doming my hair up real nice. <laughs> We get a chance to talk to so many people. Nothing has changed in terms of us talking with people. It's probably uh, more more frequent and more intense and uh, more collaborative. I think so. I think so. So, dude, we got some great guests stopping by tonight. I think this yeah, exemplify good stuff happening here in Pittsburgh. You know, we have Compunetics on here. Their telecommunications equipment, their, their, their services, their video conferencing is literally keeping us glued together as a world. And it, there's not a market that they're not in. And they've been in Pittsburgh since 1968. And every time we get to talk to Jerry Papa, I get fired up because That's they're doing amazing work. Offer your job. I, we're hoping, right? I mean, that we both have our resumes in there. We're, 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 we're the dynamic duo of marketing for Compunetics, I think. So I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity. <laughs> and then how about health monitoring being on the show tonight? I mean, talk wow. about a company. I mean, they're oh chief science, scientist or science officer, right? Yes. He's I a mean, master in, in virus. We, we're going to have to have a, an hour and a half show talking about that at some point. I know. Point. 
we need we need like an extra fold out for our show to kind of pop open so we can get all the content and also so excited to talk to Haley Jamison of HDJ Associates. She has a Clear Thoughts Foundation that we're just so excited to talk to her about that has everything to do to talk about you know, curing mental illnesses. And uh, I just she's 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 a headhunter, you know, in the day and by night she has this passion around the around the the Clear Thoughts Foundation. So excited to have her on the show. So Audrey, it just goes to show you Pittsburgh is kicking butt through this, and we're trying to tell some of those stories. I'm so happy to be doing that with you tonight. It's really good stuff. Really good stuff. All right. Well, don't go away. We're taking a quick break. We're coming back with a ton of tech vibe. Learn more about the Technology Council by going to pghtech.org. Join the business as usual webcast every day at noon. We got some great guests, Audrey. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back, everybody. It's Wednesday night. It is time for a lot more Tech by Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Audrey, I'm, nothing is stopping us from telling the best stories that are happening in Pittsburgh right now. No, life Simple goes life. on, and there are people doing incredible things. Yes. And so we're here to tell those stories, and we have a guest with us today, Haley Jamison. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me with you today. How are you hanging you? in there with all this pandemic action going on that we're all just going buzzing about, right? It is definitely an unprecedented time. Uh, I have two teenagers uh, that are, of course, home these days. And, you know, they're like, well, what do we do? I'm like, hey, I've never done this before either. I don't know what we do. <laughs> We're all learning day by day, right? It's like, just yeah. don't burn the house down. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's good advice. I'll have to share that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very useful. Talk yes. a little bit about your company because we have a couple of things that we want to talk to you about. Yeah, he's a busy sure. person. She's so got a I am the founder on. of H. Yes, yes. Yeah, busy days for sure. But I am the founder of HDJ and Associates, which is a professional search firm. And this is actually my 21st year of running the company. So I like to tell people I started the company when I was five. (laughs) That's great. You are a go-getter at a very young age. We like that. Yes, absolutely. But we specialize in permanent placement on a contingency basis across a, a multitude of different industries. Oh, awesome. Good. Well, hopefully your business is still doing well. We still need talent. We still have people who are growing, but you've probably been impacted. Yes. I mean, knock on wood, there are still certainly, as you mentioned, Audrey, you know, a number of companies hiring. Um, Unfortunately, of course, as we all know, there are quite a few companies laying off as well. So it's it's a little bit of a balancing act. And and right now, unfortunately, in fact, I think I heard today the numbers um, nationwide hit 17 million, or or, excuse me, Um, 7 million that filed for seven, not 17, sorry, 7 million that filed for unemployment. So it's a staggering number for sure across the U S and Pittsburgh's really feeling a lot, a lot, significant portion of that number, but let's, let's get on to, to some good things. You have, there's a foundation called clear thoughts foundation. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So we are a nonprofit foundation. This is actually our 10 year anniversary not, not the year that we were hoping to have, but uh, it is founded by myself, my brother, and a dear friend back in 2010 with a laser focus of raising money to find a cure for dementia. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. It's such a big goal, there. right? It is a big goal, yes. There are a lot of great, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of great organizations, um, both locally, nationally, and internationally that 
provide support and education for uh, dementia work, but there are very few, if any, that we believe are laser focused as we are. Every dollar we raise goes to scientific research to find a cure. And so how do you, like, what kinds of uh, companies do you invest in or give, give gifts to? People who are working on medical interventions, pharma, Yes. Yeah, so this year we created a new fundraising platform by the name of CTF Consortium. And the idea is to bring researchers and scientists together and have them work interchangeably and share their, their findings so that they can hopefully advance in a quicker manner. Uh, we always say that one great mind, because historically we had been funding one scientist at a time. Um, the researcher that we had been funding is part of PIND, which is an amazing group here in Pittsburgh, as you may know, the Pittsburgh Institute for Neurodegenerative Diseases. Right. And she was amazing, and, and she's still with us now. But we've added two more doctors. So we are now funding three doctors that are all here in Pittsburgh, associated with the University of Pittsburgh, and they're working collaboratively together. Because as we say, one great mind is, is wonderful. Three great minds working together is three times as wonderful. Absolutely. So we're really hoping to accelerate the speed of discovery. What was your and inspiration? So you, yeah, what was the inspiration? Unfortunately, it was a personal situation, as you may have imagined. Um, and sadly, my story, as I learned uh, very quickly, is one that so many people experience. I lost my father to a form of dementia, and it was truly one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. It was a seven-year battle from diagnosis. Um, he had a, most people are familiar with Alzheimer's, of course, but he had a form by the name of FTD, which is frontal temporal dementia. And really similar to most people's stories, you know, in a nutshell, it took us a number of years to get proper diagnosis. And then, um, again, fast-forwarding to, to at that time, we looked into options that, you know, I tend to be very type A. So I'm like, okay, you know, we'll handle this, whatever drugs we need. Do I get on a plane and fly to, you know, another country and get whatever we may need? And the truth is there are virtually at that time and still today, here we are 10 years later, very few drugs, if any, that will slow the progression of the disease, let alone cure it. Um, and again, dollar for dollar, there's so much money spent on education and basic research and support versus drug or, or therapeutic treatment. So our three doctors, to directly answer your question, Audrey, um, they, they have a combination of drug discovery as well as therapeutic discovery. It's just so amazing so you've been so positive out of such a situation that's so awful in your life. And flipping that around, I think it's just really amazing. I really laud you for being able to do that and, and just you know, make a positive. Oh, thank you very much. That. Yes. I mean, any, we truly, as I mentioned, it was a horrific fun? experience. So... I'm sorry, Audrey. No, I'm sorry. I'm talking over you. I apologize. What What have you discovered? Have there been any breakthroughs? There decade? have been. I mean, it's obviously a long, and I, I'm learning about it, you know, as we talked about it a minute ago, professionally, I'm a headhunter, right? So this whole scientific world is, is new to me, right? So I learn every day, even having done it now for 10 years. Um, but there have been breakthroughs, even by the doctors that were funding, right? I mean, there's some really exciting work um, right now, we're, we're funding Dr. Amantha Thalia, Dr. Robert Friedlander, and Dr. Oscar Lopez, all of which are actually world-renowned scientists. And for instance, Dr. Lopez is working on a plasma cleaning um, type of therapeutic that is wow. really cutting-edge, world-renowned. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. That's so cool. So, yeah, and we're, we're really sort of, um, you know, in, encouraging this collaboration where, you know, you have all these brilliant scientists. For instance, the three I just named that work 
you know, two of them work in the same building, right? And they had never, you know, worked before together, right? So we're, we're um, encouraging this collaboration, again, trying to expedite the, the rate of which we can just, you know, make a discovery. So Such do you think we're getting close to any solutions? Uh, I pray that we are every day. That's what keeps me motivated. Um, and, and, you know, from my background, having, again, a non-scientific background, I sort of always envisioned, okay, we're going to get to the, the point where there's a cure, right? But as the scientists and doctors have, have been trying to, to get me to understand, it's more of baby steps getting, you know, it, it won't be one person. It'll be a, a collaboration of people from throughout the world making different steps and trying to put those all together. So, um, yes, I believe that we will get there. Um, will it be in the timeline that we would probably like? No, but as we continue to recognize this as a, a leading, unfortunately, cause of death throughout the world, I mean, the numbers are staggering and happening to younger and younger people as well. So as we continue to recognize that and the funding goes up, I think that we will be able to find a cure uh, sooner rather than later. Such an amazing story. Yeah. Is there a website? There is, yes. It is clearthoughtsfoundation.org. People should go there and check it out. And of course, your website as well for HDJ and Associates is hdjassociates.com. Obviously, look at your talent and go see you because this is what you've been doing for 21 years, which is Yes, absolutely. And the work that you're doing. Thank you, Jonathan. Of course, and the work you're doing with the Clear Thoughts Foundation, we just we're we're so impressed with it. And man, that's just that's what's making Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is people like you stepping up and doing that type of work. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Thank you to you as well. And again, thank you for having me on. And uh, I I wish everybody well. And and, uh, as you mentioned, stay safe and stay healthy. That's the plan. Hey, we're taking a quick break. We've got a lot more tech vibe coming right at you. Lots of great stories just like these. Guaranteed absolutely 100%. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Go to pghtech.org. Learn about all the ways the Tech Council can help your company. Be right back after this quick break. Hey, everybody. Thanks for keeping your dial tuned right here to KDKA. You're listening to Tech Vibe Radio, and this is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. And Audrey, I'm really excited about this guest. As we've been saying, there are so many cool people and companies in Pittsburgh that are just directly working with what's going on with the whole COVID crisis right now. And Andy Walsh of Health Monitoring is on the front lines when it comes to this stuff. So excited to have him on the show tonight. Yeah, we need to jump in. This is a chief science science officer of health monitoring systems. Hi, Andy. Hi, thanks for having me. So glad to have you here. Great. So just let's jump in and just sort of set the stage. What what is um, health monitoring? Tell us about the company. Yeah, so health monitoring is a public health software company. We provide a service to health departments across the country, whereby we collect electronic healthcare data, uh, mostly anonymized data on their behalf from hospitals, physicians' offices, urgent care centers, anywhere people are going and seeking health care. We're trying to provide them information as quickly as possible. So it's often pre-diagnostic information. You go into the hospital, you say, I broke my arm. I'm worried that I have the flu. Um, I have a headache that I don't know, what, you know what's causing it. They record that. That's what they send to us. And we try to put those into different categories to understand trends that might be happening in a particular jurisdiction, a state, a county. And we provide that information to the health department that oversees that jurisdiction so that they can track and, and identify things that might be of interest to them and things that they need to follow up on. Very cool. So um, you also are doing some pre-diagnostic data. 
in terms of COVID-19. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so we're collecting uh, the, that data from emergency departments and urgent care centers um, in different places. And we're looking, among other things, for patients who meet the uh, symptom criteria for COVID-19. So fever, shortness of breath, cough, some of the other symptoms like fatigue, uh, even things like a loss of appetite. We're looking and seeing how many people are coming into different emergency, emergency departments in different parts of the country with those symptoms and letting the health department know about that uh, on an ongoing real-time basis. So as soon as that person walks into the hospital and their wow. complaint is reported, we get it and it's available to the health department. So they can see That's that great. before test results come in, before even a patient is necessarily seen by a physician, they have wow. some sense of what's going on in that uh, emergency department. So you, because of your background, and your background is what? Describe your background, your academic yeah, so, background. Yeah, so I did a PhD at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in their Department of Molecular Microbiology and Immunology. What I was actually doing there was a lot of statistical modeling of the spread of infectious diseases and the ecology of infectious diseases. And from there, I did a postdoc uh, here in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon in computational biology on the evolution of viruses and trying to see if we could understand something about uh, how viruses change over time and how that might inform vaccine development. Uh, so I developed uh, skills in uh, statistics, in uh, computer programming, as well as understanding the biology of infectious diseases and the immunology of how our bodies respond to them, and a little bit of understanding from uh, going to a school of public health, what uh, public health does, and what ep epidemiologists are interested in, what they need. So brought all of that to health monitoring to try to help serve as a intermediary between all the great programmers and uh, business folks that we have and our customers who work in public health on a daily basis. That's amazing. So, like, so holy you heck. you can actually talk yeah. about viruses. How perfectly timed is this unfortunate outbreak? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, we've been, uh, I've been interested in viruses pretty much my entire life, you know, did a lot of uh, work on the biology of viruses as a uh, graduate student and even a little bit as an undergrad. And so, yeah, I've been uh, wanting to help uh, public health and, and help the population of, you know, of our country better understand and be better prepared for dealing with situations like what we have right now. So what's the, uh, I mean, how is the COVID virus you know, how's this been playing out? Is, it, is, this, is this typical from what, I, I, with all the studying you've done and all the modeling you've done, is this typically what we see as something like this or is this special, is this different? So what is different about this situation is that this virus is particularly contagious relative to some others that have emerged recently, uh, such as the uh, earlier uh, SARS coronavirus. Right. Or things like uh, the Nipah virus or even like Ebola. Um, it, more people get infected from each individual case uh, than in some of the, with this new uh, COVID-19 coronavirus than some of these other viruses. Um, and the uh, infectivity starts before you even feel sick, right? So that's one of the big things that can help to limit the spread of an infection is that you get sick. And so you know to avoid other people, other people know to avoid you. And that limits those contacts that, that cause transmission. But with this virus, it seems that there is some amount of opportunity to spread the virus before you even get sick. So that's what's different. But in terms of, of the general spread of things, I mean, it, you know, it's following the kinds of models that we expect. Okay. Uh, it's following, you know, contacts between people, limiting those contacts limits the spread. Uh, the more people mix and interact with people, the faster it spreads around. And so in, in the general contours, it fits well into 
our understanding of how epidemics and pandemics progress. You just have to adjust the parameters a little bit for the specifics of this virus. It's tricky in the beginning because like people are walking around having it, not knowing it. And so then you're spreading it and you have no clue that you're doing it. So... Right. And, and in the early days, we didn't even know that that was a possibility, right? So we don't even know exactly the details of this virus. We were still trying to figure that out. And in some ways, we're still learning right. more about the biology of it and how it, how it spreads from person to person. And then as you guys are collecting all this data, then this is something that as these new, as obviously this, a new virus will come up at some point, obviously in the future. So we have so much more knowledge now on how to then handle those, a new virus then, right? Yeah. So ostensibly what we do uh, here at Health Monitoring in the United States is what was detected this coronavirus in the first place in China. They had a cluster of unexplained pneumonia cases that they had to figure out what was causing it, and they eventually isolated a new virus that was causing it. And that's exactly what we're looking for with the kinds of pre-diagnostic data that we're collecting and the kinds of surveillance that we're doing on it, the automatic analysis that we're doing on it. We're trying to help uh, public health departments identify exactly those kinds of clusters of diseases that uh, don't aren't explained by other things, aren't explained by uh, what we know is circulating at the time so that they can respond quickly. So in my lifetime, having been through, you know, flus and, you know, some epidemics, now we're, now we're hearing from our um, physician, uh, Dr. Levine at the state level, who was saying that we all need to have masks, right? And so, you, you know, social distancing, et cetera. So why so exacerbated now? And what's the relevancy of masks, just masks in general? Yeah, so why is this exacerbated right now? It's because it's a virus that uh, spreads quickly that none of us have any immunity to. So with the flu, uh, yes, you know, we all, the flu goes around every year and we deal with the flu season every year, but we all have some amount of immunity, even though the virus mutates uh, every year and changes a little bit, we all have at least some existing immunity to it. And so we're less likely to get sick ourselves, we're less likely to get severe symptoms, and we're less likely to spread it onto other people because of that partial immunity that, that we pretty much all have from previous uh, flu seasons and from getting the vaccine. Nobody has any of that when it comes to this particular coronavirus. So that's one big issue, that's one big difference of what's going on right now. With the masks in particular, so you know, the mask, the understanding of what masks do hasn't changed even though the recommendations have changed. We know that these N95 masks with the, and the ventilator, you know, ventilation style masks that fit exactly tightly around your, your nose and mouth, those are the kinds of masks that protect you personally from getting infected because they block most of the virus particles from coming in contact with your nose and mouth. And, in, and ideally, you want some eye protection to go with that as well because you can also get an infection through the mucosa around your eyes. I need some N95 goggles. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, and those masks were what we would recommended for uh, healthcare workers and, and what have you, and for uh, potentially people who are particularly high risk. Um, these other kinds of masks, the surgical style masks or the homemade masks, the cloth masks that just kind of, you know, loose, more loosely cover your nose and mouth, those don't do as great a job of protecting you personally from getting infected because there's still area around the mask where the virus can get in. And so what... Uh, those are recommended for is for preventing you from spreading the virus to other people. And so they were originally recommended for people who knew that they were sick or suspected that they were sick because they had symptoms. They should, they should wear those masks if they were going to be around other people to protect those other people. 
now that we understand more about this particular virus and that there is this period of one to two days before you start really feeling, feeling symptoms where you might be infectious. And for some people that period might be their, the only experience that they have. They never have symptoms, but they do have the virus for some amount of time and are infectious for some amount of time. They need to, we all kind of need to, to adjust to that reality now that we understand that about the virus. And so now the recommendation is that everybody really should be wearing those masks when they are in public, not so much because it's protecting them, but because it's protecting everybody around them. And so if all of us are wearing masks, then we all get the benefit of that protection. Your mask protects me and my mask protects you. So that's so, what's shifted in our understanding there. So I know that we don't have much time and sometime we're gonna do a deeper dive with you because you're just a wealth of information. And this is awesome stuff, man, awesome it's stuff. so fascinating. What about the, the, the prognosis for developing a vaccine? You have any opinions on that? Yeah, so I've been reading a little bit of the work and including the paper that came out from the University of Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. Some really neat work. They've done a lot of great things to speed up the development process so we can skip things like how do we even grow a lot of the virus? Because what they're doing is putting the virus in other kinds, uh, putting proteins from this virus in other systems. Uh, at the University of Pittsburgh, um, and they're using an, a modified adenovirus to grow uh the spike protein, the, the outside protein of this uh, coronavirus in large quantities to generate uh, for vaccines. So we have to worry about growing the coronavirus itself. We can skip right to the process of mass producing this protein put in vaccines. So that is really shortening the development cycle potentially by years and decades so, because we can speed up to that point. But we still have to do the careful clinical testing to make sure that the vaccine is safe and to make sure that it does what we need it to do. Absolutely. And that is what is still gonna take a year or more to do all that testing to make sure that if we give it to, to everybody that needs it, that it will actually help them and not cause uh, other problems. So that's where we are. Great stuff. Andy, can't thank you enough for your time hanging out with Andy Walsh from Health Monitoring. You got tremendous work, tremendous knowledge. We're going to have you back for more in-depth information yeah. on this. I can't thank you enough. Hey, we're taking a quick break. We're coming back with more Tech Vibe. This is Jonathan Kirsting. This is Audrey Russo. Learn more about the Tech Council by hitting pghtech.org. We'll be right back after this quick break. So with Audrey, our last segment of the night, and this is, I couldn't wait to get to this segment because if there's one company that I think just anchors Pittsburgh's tech sector, it's CompuNetics, Chorus Call, and the other CompuNetics, it ends in a CS. And we have Jerry Papa here with us. Jerry, so glad to have you on the show tonight. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's great, great to be with you. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Audrey, always good to, uh, to participate. No, oh, it's great. You've been up to so much. So why don't you just tell us, let everyone know and remind them about what the company does. Sure. Uh, so Compunetics, you uh, may have heard of us. Uh, we sometimes are called the best kept secret. We probably need to work on that part. Um, so been in, in the Pittsburgh tech community, uh, one of the original members of the tech council for 50 years. So we've, uh, the company started in 68 Primarily started the first 20 years or so was focused on federal government applications. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the remainder of the business, uh, we do spend a lot of our time, a lot, big chunk of our revenues are still focused on federal government, uh, but we uh, focus heavily on the voice, video, and web conferencing and collaboration space. So as you say, there's CompuNetics and Chorus Call and CompuNetics are manufacturing activity as well. Um, so yeah, so we're focusing on large service providers for voice, video and web conferencing, uh, government agencies, as well as uh, corporations. So, so that's a little bit of the background. So what are you up to now? I mean, in this world of total telly? 
Yeah. So if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have right now. Exactly. Yeah. So if I, you know, if I, if it asked me a month ago, I would have said, you know, gone through sort of our, our, our big contracts with uh, either government agencies or large corporations uh, today uh, that has been magnified, you know, because of the coronavirus and the COVID-19 situation, uh, the pandemic, uh, we have been flat out busy. Uh, we have probably done in the past three or four weeks, the kind of business we would do in three, four or five months. So wow. uh, it's for unfor- unfortunate circumstances, but frankly, we're very, we're very proud of the fact that we can help. So our technologies are being used by the world's largest service providers in over 35 countries. Uh, corporations like Verizon are heavily using the platform uh, to provide remote workers with the tools that they need uh, to, to do the things they have to do while we're all in this situation. Uh, in addition to the large service providers around the world, not only Verizon, but British Telecom and uh, Telstra in Australia, Deutsche Telekom, Germany, Malaysia, and China, uh, in addition to those types of service providers, you know, we have large corporations, financial institutions, transportation, energy that are using uh, our capabilities, again, given this situation. Uh, you know, we're really proud of what's going on in the video space. So uh, we've, uh, we've launched some newer video products in the past couple of years. Um, but most recently, uh, in the past year and a half or so, we have a video call center application uh, which is heavily being used for healthcare. And, and coincidentally, this week, uh, we just announced a program where we're providing that product uh, for no charge for a period of time for healthcare providers. And so, uh, you know, it, it's just used in so many different areas. Um, you know, basically the video conferencing we're using here and now is one component of that. Um, but we also provide the ability for, you know, someone to triage the situation have an incoming call queue of, of patients that they're dealing with, having a list of supervisors, uh, doctors, uh, specialists that they can then either tra- video transfer or conference in to help solve the problem. Yeah, I mean, this, your stuff is just literally keeping people connected when they couldn't be connected without this stuff. And it's all coming from, from Monroeville, which is, I think it's just so freaking cool. It's as simple as that. We just well, love I think the thing is that's just amazing is the visionary role that you played in this space Mm -hmm. for five decades yeah exactly i mean sure i mean so audrey you know and you're a big fan of dr corlupi giorgio corlupi who uh who founded the company in 1968 and he remains uh the ceo of all the all the companies uh which is pretty unique i would say in the high-tech community and uh we're we're very proud of uh, proud of that fact and in fact uh one of the things we can talk about later is that uh, both the company and and Dr. Corlupi himself were are being inducted into the NASA Space Technology Hall of Fame. Let's talk uh, about they, that now, because that is cool. Talk about that. <laughs> so uh, so you know when the company was founded, as I said, we worked on federal government activities. I didn't join the company until uh, the point where we had been awarded a very large contract with NASA, uh, and I'm very proud of the fact that I was able to work on that program. And that's, that particular project, along with a follow-on project, served as the core of NASCOM, the NASA Communications Network, which was used for all voice for shuttle missions and payload operations, things like Space Telescope and other payload operations. And so we delivered that platform uh, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. 
And uh, recently, in fact, uh, just this week, a, a, an article was issued in the NASA Tech Brief. And earlier, uh, about a month ago, uh, the announcement was made that Com Compunetics as a corporation and Dr. Corlupi as an individual were inducted into Space Technology Hall of Fame, stemming from the work we did 30 years ago. Wow. Uh, now, today we continue to provide technology to NASA for the mission operations, uh, for, you know, for, a lot of, for a lot of their uh, voice activities. And we're doing that not only for NASA, but for, I mean, right now, uh, the Department of State, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State's Mission, mission Operations Center, is, is using Compunetics Voice. Uh, the Air Force for all of U.S. Air Defense is using Compunetics Voice. So it's, it's those types of sort of high quality, high reliability applications that, uh, that we've been, we're being recognized for and we're, we're a big contributor to, uh, to NASA. And this, this Technology Hall of Fame is all about the technologies that NASA invested in that later became a commercial success for other reasons. So what we did 30 years ago and the patents that we acquired around that technology are then, then leveraged uh, to provide the backbone of uh, the world's largest service providers providing conferencing throughout the globe, and even these uh, healthcare applications that I mentioned earlier. So now, yeah, that's that's sort of that backstory. So that's such a cool story. We love it. So it's I'm just blown away by the vision and yeah. the fact that um, we are not going to go back. This is my whole thing. We're not going to go back. No. There's no turning back now. Now that we have been where we've been in these last five weeks and have accelerated the use of tele and telecommunications, there's no, question. there's no going back. You know, and what, and really, so I've been in, I've been to Compunetics and in this industry long enough that uh, uh, back uh, when 9-11 occurred, you know, conferencing and collaboration were at a certain level and it had peaked. It peaked because planes were grounded for a week or two, because knowledge workers in the uh, Northeast in particular were, were very much affected. And when it, after it peaked, it sort of settled, but it settled at a higher level than right. it was before. The difference here is with the COVID pandemic, it doesn't just impact uh, knowledge workers right. and those that are you know, sort of business professionals that are flying for a living or, right. or, you know, working in an office, this is impacting every human on earth. And so it's impacting, you know, my daughter's a teacher, she's home teaching, uh, teaching remote, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's impacting education, it's impacting healthcare, uh, it's impacting everyone, right? So we're using our video product. I mean, one of the applications we're just announcing this week is, uh, cooperating with a senior living uh, application, right? So yeah. video conferencing, right? If you mm -hmm. think about it, yeah. the senior living centers in the communities are growing. It's a growing market, but there's not only skilled nursing and, and unskilled nursing, but there's independent living and there's what are called memory units, right? And so the, the folks in those um, environments that have Alzheimer's or whatever the condition may be, if they can't see their loved ones for a few days, they forget who they are. I mean, video really is an enabling technology. The video capability that we're offering through our video call center applications um, for this, with this healthcare assistance program in particular, um, is really changing the way uh, everyone communicates. There's no question. One of the things that I've I've heard, 
and I know that you have, is that when people are highly um, infectious or contagious, and particularly with this COVID-19 when there's comorbidities, that they are actually alone in their rooms and cannot communicate and, uh, you know, are on a vent or, you know, are just totally isolated. And we have lost a lot of people who have been died alone and people who can't even attend people's funerals. Yeah. It's just crazy. So I see the opportunity for your work to sort of get us to this new level of where we're making sure that we are connecting with people while it's not real, but it's virtual, but it's necessary. You know, it's, uh, it's not like being able to be there in person uh, in those types of end of life situations. I mean, it's a very sad situation. You know, we have offices in Italy. I talk with our colleagues there regularly and, uh, and there were, those problems were really amplified there. And we're seeing the same thing here, but, uh, so fortunately, not to that extent, at least in Western Pennsylvania. And so um, it's, it's really, you know, it's an enabling technology. I mean, not just for these types of situations we're talking about with the pandemic, but, you know, our, our, product, our video product is used in uh, remote court appearances, right? Mm-hmm. So the LA County Courts uh, is, a, is a client of ours. So imagine you're called to traffic court or family court. I mean, you have to take the full day off of work. You have to right. drive two, two hours. You have idea. to pay $40 to park. What a great insta- instead, you pay a small fee and you can do your video appearance. I mean, for civil applications, not for criminal. But, I mean, it, you know, it's being used for prison visitations. I mean, it's just uh, the technology great. applications are, are just off the charts. It's really Jerry, That's why in another 50 years, you guys will still be kicking butt. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, Audrey, you said the word vision a couple of times, and, and right. I will say that it's been fun to be a part of it and to watch that vision and to see how we've been able to come from such, you know, technology. Imagine what technology was 50 years ago. I, I can't. Uh, but even in our, in our, you know, professional lives, we've seen such radical changes in technology. And Jonathan, you're absolutely correct. You know, we um, plan to be and have active programs to advance that technology uh, through the next 50 years. Great stuff. Jerry. I can't thank, thank you, you enough for hanging out with us. We are just so proud of the work that you guys do. I mean, you are making thank Pittsburgh you. proud. It is just awesome and, stuff. And I really have to say thank you to the Pittsburgh Tech Council. I mean, you know, the work that you, uh, the two of you have done and, and, the, and the entire staff, uh, you know, with your daily calls these days at noon, I mean, you know, the, 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 the effort that you put pulled this community together with is really unprecedented. So thank you very much. We appreciate that. And thank you for this opportunity to talk about Compunetics. Of course. We're all out of time. We're out of time. I hate this, but we'll be back next Wednesday with more Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Have an awesome evening, everybody.